Let's do this. The best marketing has to be authentic. One of the best ways we find it in attracting new customers is word of mouth. Your brand should be, especially if it's a small business, brand should be an extension of yourself. On point. Hello and welcome back to another episode of On Point. I'm your host, Taylor Burke, and today we have top marketing executive turned barbershop owner. He has taken his skills of what he learned in his many years in the corporate world and applied them to his small business. You won't want to miss his story and all the tips and tricks he will be sharing. Give it up for Dan Glass. Hi, Dan. Hi, Taylor. Hi, everybody. How are you? Good. Uh, a little hot, a little sweaty. We're in the middle of a heat wave here in London. So as you can imagine, uh, being Brits, we like to moan about the weather. It's now gone from too cold to being too hot, but wrapping uh, up at the end of a, a very productive day. So, so no real complaints. Okay, so what is too hot in London? Too hot in London is basically anything over 20 degrees, and we're currently at 32. Oh, okay, 32. That That is pretty hot. But I'm glad that we are not letting the heat and the time difference stop us from this podcast. Dan, let's gonna go right into it. You have quite the journey and the story that I believe everyone can be inspired by, whether they're a barber or if they're in a completely different industry. Why don't you go ahead and start from the beginning? And I know you've always been drawn to barbering, but you still decided to go to school for marketing. Thank you for your kind words. I, I would still consider myself but a normal person in terms of my journey's just been a little bit unorthodox. In a way, starting from the, the top, I feel like I'm, I've, I've finally ended up where I should be. Nothing is ever wasted. It, it's great now to be in a position to use all the different aspects of my career in a much more holistic way running a small business. But to begin with, I think I was possibly just a victim of of timing. I mean, I've always been interested in like my own personal sense of style, various different haircuts. I mean, I've gone through every subculture known to man. When I was at school, sixth form university, I used to, you know, cut my friend's hair, do my own hair for a bit of beer money, just for a bit of fun. So when I was growing up in the 90s and, and leaving home and, and going to university in the early 2000s, barbering just wasn't seen as, as a career. It wasn't seen as something you did. There wasn't very much money to be made. It was an industry very much down on its luck. So going to university and then going in, into a digital marketing career felt like a, not necessarily I'm taking the safe option. It, it still appealed to me in many different levels. But I didn't really have the alternatives that I think youngsters have today, 20 years later. I think I, I took the option that was right for the time. And it's nice to now be coming back full circle. So after a successful career in marketing during the early 2000s with the growth of SEO, email marketing, and then the birth of social media, it was a really exciting time to be a marketer. Mm -hmm. But eventually I just fell out of love with it. Dan, something that you said, time wasn't on your side. What exactly do you mean by that? Just from, from a personal perspective, I wasn't, I didn't have the opportunity to maybe spend a few years trying to find out who I was and what I wanted to do with my life. Both once I graduated, then afterwards, when I had the opportunity, when, when I did leave marketing, uh, we have bills to pay, we have adult responsibilities that I didn't want to lose momentum by spending too long erring and erring about what options were available to me. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky that barbering just felt instantly felt the right thing to do and that allayed any fears that I might have to 
I didn't want to get stuck retraining two or three times and finding myself in the same position in five years' time. It's really interesting to me that your passion that you had before you went to school was barbering and you still kept that passion years later. So like a lot of people say like they grow away from some of their hobbies that they had when they were a kid, but not you. And that's awesome that you even said it was a full circle. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I aspired to be a drummer in uh, and set up my own punk band. <laughs> and I was so bad, I actually managed to get fired from my own punk band. What? And, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, and I was that bad. However, I did get rehired as the roadie because I was the first of my pals to learn how to drive. And I knew how to set up a drum kit. So it was actually quite useful. So, uh, <laughs> so there's definitely been passions of mine that haven't worked out. Don't get me wrong, like everybody, you know, I, I've kind of developed and evolved and matured as I get older. Of but I think that real sense of fashion, style, subculture, you know, people showing off their personality, male, female, otherwise, you know, through their hair, through the way they look, never really left me. You wrote an article earlier this year about your grandfather and how he actually gave you your first pair of clippers. Yeah, and I think I might still have them somewhere. Uh, they probably need a little bit of uh, freshening up. But um, so my maternal grandfather, who was a bit of a dude, really, really inspirational guy. When I was growing up, me and my brother, we had very, very thick, curly hair. Mm-hmm. Now, growing up in the 80s and 90s, and, you know, your, your five bucks haircuts in, uh, in a London underground tube station or just a local high street or your mum cutting your hair, mm-hmm. you can imagine <laughs> how we ended up looking. Curly hair is not easy to cut. So my my grandfather, Cyril, very kindly took pity on me and my brother and, and gifted us a pair of clippers, taught us how to cut our own hair, like just, to, you know, like a kind of a number four all over, like a long buzz cut. It was very kind of him to, uh, to gift us those, teach us some basic elementary school uh, skills. And uh, I remember my brother having, you know, 13, 14, giving himself a Mohican. I think I just had a buzz cut after that. I just cut my own hair for years. And it was somebody, I think, maybe just one of those coincidences that really ignites a passion in somebody. You know, going back to the music thing, you know, how people suddenly, you know, gifted their first guitar or people get into other things like, I don't know, sewing or woodworking or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Just take somebody to go, oh, why don't you try this? And actually, you know, I think it would probably make his own life easier. But actually, it was, it was a really nice gesture. And sadly, he's, he passed away a long time ago. But, you know, I, I think he'd be very happy. And I'm sure he'd be coming in for, for free haircuts for life if he was still around. Yeah. So after university, you went off to get a job at Microsoft. Yeah. So I ended up at Microsoft after working at a range of different companies. And it was fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I worked on some incredible work got to do some fantastic often crazy uh crazy marketing kind of campaigns uh and i wouldn't have missed it for the world but it just i think like everything all good things come to an end and it, and it just i found myself in a situation from a personal level and it very much a personal decision where i wasn't getting what i wanted out of my day-to-day job and out of my career as a whole and when did that hit you and like when did you realize that this job wasn't enough and you're like okay i want to kind of go back into barbering yeah i think it was like a, a lingering sense of there's something i'm missing and i think in a way i was a victim of my own success mm. in the sense that 
I first started out in marketing, you know, there was a lot more hands-on creative coming up with different ideas, you know, using Facebook and Instagram to market and Twitter from a business perspective for the first time. And I think my my real you know light bulb moment was that I love marketing, I love clever advertising. I think it's it's such an important part of the commercial world we live in, and I think it really shows off people's clever, creative aspects and how to get brands and clients. For me, I don't believe now in marketing for the sake of marketing. If we're just creating content for the sake of creating content and filling the silence, then it felt very empty. Just doing it for the sake of doing it. You wanted there to be a purpose. Yes. I I felt like we were doing things because, you know, we would tweet three times a week because that's what you did. Yes. Uh, We would post on, we would do this, not because it felt like it really connected or it was, was, there was fun involved. It was just what you did. So I think that was my big realization that anything marketing, advertising related that I really like has to be hinged on a day-to-day real life thing that I'm also involved in. I'm sure that you doing that for your barbershop, you realize that there's a better response rate than just doing it to do it. Exactly. The best marketing has to be authentic. You know, it doesn't always have to be super shiny, super slick, as long as what you're saying rings true. And people think, oh, do you know what? Actually, I believe that company or that brand or that individual when they say that. And off the back of that, oh, I might, you know, want to, to ask a few more questions. Dan, go ahead and tell us about your last day with Microsoft. Did you have the support from your friends and family or were they saying, oh, Dan, why are you throwing this away? This is what you went to school for. <laughs> and I learned, I did a podcast with a gal a couple months back and she told me that in the UK, you have to let them know like three months in advance. Yes, we have quite a long notice period where you kind of have this weird, strange thing where you're there. Yeah, it is quite a funny, kind of funny period. And we have something called gardening leave. So if you're in a very senior job, get put on gardening leave, which is basically where you have to stay at home and garden because they don't want you anywhere near any company secrets. But it's just one of those real British kind of old school terms that just is kind of long in the, long in the memory that no one ever seems to want to get rid of. But yeah, it is quite a long time. But actually, it kind of went pretty quickly. And it allowed me to, to readjust a period of time where I wasn't, you know, it allowed me to kind of readjust my mindset to, to kind of get some fresh perspective on the future. You know, if I'm going to make a decision about something, I generally think it over quietly in my head. So when I come out with, oh, I think I want to retrain as a barber. My wife, Gemma, she knows that I maybe I've spent a month overthinking this in my own head. So I verbalize it. So normally when, if I'm verbalizing something, it's, generally the end of the thought process rather than the beginning. And then I told my live manager at Microsoft what my plan was. And she turned around and went, oh, well, we were wondering when you were going to go and do something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a natural thing for you to go and do. I was like, oh, wow. oh somebody would tell me this kind of stuff earlier, you know. <laughs> or it was almost like everyone knew what, what I was going to do before I'd even did it. I mean, I, I didn't think I was that predictable. But, but I think just... When you see, you know, both my, you know, friends, family, colleagues who've suddenly gone, yeah, I, I can literally visualize you doing this job that you want to go off and do. It really gave me the self-confidence to go off and do it. So did you always have that in mind that you were going to open up your own shop? I had it in my, the back of my mind from the very start. I think retraining in my late 20s and early 30s and changing career then 
I think you end up being a lot more goal orientated from a career perspective because you're just a little bit older. You're a little bit more mindful of bills need to be paid and, and what does the future look like? You know, and that's not just from a career perspective, from a personal perspective, you know. You know, my dad's very entrepreneurial. My mum had set up her own business when I was a teenager. The idea of owning your own business from a family perspective was also always seen a very liberating, exciting, adventurous thing to do. Calculated risks involved, but it was never seen as a crazy thing that other people did. It was always something very realistic, very tangible. And I think once I started working in the barbering industry, the kind of little voice in the back of my head that was trying to work out where I saw myself fitting within the industry. I, I could see myself having a successful career within the industry. I would just like my own little piece of the pie. Get ready for the hottest industry event of the year. Vagaro is taking over beautiful Bespoke in San Francisco for a two-day event dedicated to you, the entrepreneurs and independent professionals in the beauty industry. Hear from business icons like Venus Williams and Tabitha Coffee. Take advantage of our free wellness classes, win fabulous prizes, and attend our exclusive rooftop white party. You'll also have the opportunity to hear from Bogaro Super users and industry experts to help you get the most out of your business. Tickets on sale now at a special early bird price for a limited time only. Reserve yours now at iconic.bogaro.com. Show up, show out, and show them how it's done with Bogaro. Do you think that your expertise in marketing would help you with opening up your own business? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think any opportunity or any experience is ever wasted. It might perhaps feel like it at the time, but actually all these things we do throughout our lives, we will always come back to one day. There'll always be great experiences. There'll always be useful nuggets of information. There'll always be skills you can draw on later on in life or in a different way. I've never felt that my degrees or my previous career was, was ever wasted. It, it never felt to me like, oh, I should have done this since I left school. Mm-hmm. It felt like something that someday would become really useful. And actually, when I was you know, building up my experiences, working for other brands and barbershops, sometimes I was the go-to guy for ideas about you know, marketing campaigns for Father's Day or Christmas or other aspects, you know, brainstorming different you know, kind of opportunities and creative ideas. But very quickly, yes, once I knew I, I, had my own, I was going to have my own brand and my own shop, knowing that I can understand marketing was a real, almost a, um, a, a bit of a relief because that's a whole section of setting up a business that if I was coming from it from scratch, I would probably have to you know, spend a lot of time thinking about, worrying about maybe looking at the costs involved of outsourcing to people who know what they're doing or pulling in favors from friends and actually knowing how to set up a website, knowing how to do a successful email campaign, what an effective social media presence looks like. It just, it was like, yep, tick the box. Yep, we'll do this, this and this. No problem. We'll get to that as and when time comes. But it also, it took the fear factor out right from the start. You weren't just opening up a shop. You were opening up and starting a brand and you are that brand. So what tips or takeaways <laughs> do you think that you learned are essential for small business marketing? So again, just going back to my marketing background, having the word barbershop in your brand name and in your URL for your website, 
it's always going to be great for SEO. Yes. So, because people keep writing the word barber. So, again, just one of those funny little nuggets about having worked it in, in digital marketing. So, for me, what I learned, um, it was that your brand should be, especially if it's a small business, and if it's if you're an individual, brand should be an extension of yourself. It doesn't have to be named after you, you know, like, like the barbershop is for me, but it should be what people imagine brand to be. So Taylor's podcast should be Taylor's podcast and the look and the feel and the sound and the energy that comes out of it should be all about Taylor because you're the podcast. And what's been brilliant is when we first built the barbershop, my clients are coming in for the first time or they're looking at pictures on Instagram for the first time. The thing I heard so often was, oh, wow, yeah, God, this feels so you. You know, oh, you know, this picture is very you, you know, when we're doing photo shots or I could hear you saying that when I've interviewed myself for the website. It is that rather than second guessing myself, I have to think of, do you know what? What do I like? What would I want in a barbershop? Again, it comes back to authenticity. That I wanted to create, I didn't want to create a business in my image. You know, I'm not that much of an egotist. <laughs> but I wanted to create, I had a vision and I didn't want, there's different ways you could set up a barbershop. There's different ways it can look different way, atmosphere, different vibe, different energies. But for me, it was all about, okay, if I imagine myself as the client, what kind of music do I want to hear? What kind of decor do I want to see? What kind of products do, do I want to be purchasing? What kind of styles do I want to be asking for? How do I want to be treated when I walk in the shop? How do I want to be treated when I leave? You know, And all of these things, it, it, I think it's, for me, Good marketing comes out of being a very clear goal of what you're trying to achieve as a business. And then the marketing will come out of that naturally. It becomes a lot less forced you know, copywriting, which is tough. And by no means did I get it right first time either. There's there definitely be some things we've changed over time. Do you have any marketing tips that didn't work or that you wouldn't recommend to other small businesses listening to this? There was definitely a few that didn't work. In terms of, terms of what I wouldn't recommend... I think the old got to, you've got to test out and, and work, find out what works for you. You know, there's no harm in, as long as it doesn't cost too much, there's no harm in trying things out that may or may not work. What I see often with, with small companies, with brands is the mistakes they make are, are twofold, inauthentic to themselves and following the whims of, of fashion or trends or, you know, without putting down a core, you know, their own core substance. But I think the main mistake is trying to keep up with the Joneses you know doing campaigns and and marketing content that it's too expensive it's you know they're looking at big competitors and, and being like oh we should be doing that and they're not looking actually at their own customer base or their own clientele so companies spending far too much time overspending on on paid search or overspending on agencies who offer very little in return for, for what they're actually trying to achieve. If it's about finding new clients, actually, Instagram is a little bit of a red herring. Don't get me wrong, it's a great way of re continuously connecting with clients, updating them with information about maybe when people are on holiday or, or you've got a deal going on or there's new products to, to buy or whatever it might be. But actually, when it comes to getting new clients into your shop, do you know what? The location of your shop and word of mouth 
are going to be far more important. Often what happens is, for especially small businesses with small budgets, is that the mistake I find what happens a lot of the time is they haven't defined what success is, what, what they're trying to achieve with that marketing campaign. Definitely. I feel like this is the perfect segue. I read an article that you were a part of that says the statistic is 80% of your future revenue comes from 20% of your current clients. Client retention is far easier than attracting new clients. So Dan, what do you do to maximize what you already have? So I totally agree. I think always looking for new customers and enticing them in needs that kind of attitude. I almost like to flip that on its head. Going back to, to what I was saying about uh, how we gain customers, one of the best ways we find it in attracting new customers is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So that could be anything from online reviews. But it also, we've got groups of mates, groups of colleagues, where one of them has become is, is a customer of mine or is a customer of Luca or Francesco, my other barbers. And then they go, oh, lads, just found this brilliant barbershop. I reckon you should go. They'll do wonders for your hair. And then their mate comes along. Then they really enjoy it. They recommend us to the next pal or the next colleague. So you get these clusters of people who are like, you're kind of there for all, you know, like a whole group of friends or a whole group of colleagues. Now, if you don't try and keep your loyal customers happy, why would they then recommend you to other people when they know they're not going to get anything off the back of it and you're putting all your effort, all your budget into incentivizing new customers? I mean, they're a walking billboard for you. So for me, it's making sure our loyal customers are valued. They're one of the family. So we run a, a loyalty card scheme. So your 10th haircut or your 10th beard trim will be on the house. The one in 10 haircuts are free. Uh, we do a recommend a friend scheme. So if somebody recommends us to their friend, uh, both the friend and them, they both get money off their next visit. Um, we've thrown a few social events, like it was our second anniversary. We got some beers in, got some pizzas in, invited all our clients down, just so everyone can hang out and have a drink and a bite to eat. And I think these little things where it feels like you're building a community rather than a, a customer base, the number one thing should always be you continue providing an excellent product, excellent haircut, excellent experience. You know, you're always pushing yourself further, tweaking haircuts to, to attain perfection, making sure you're not just getting lazy in routine. If you're having a bad day, you're not down and grumpy. It's about making sure you're making everyone feel valued. I mean, and it keeps coming back to it. You know, the best marketing is, is authentic marketing. It's not just about you know, numbers on a spreadsheet. It's not just about what, how much profit we can make off doing this. What, what are, I mean, it's always good to, to look at your, your success metrics, but if you're starting to change your, your voice uh, or to try and tap into and, and to try and manipulate people, I think people see straight through that. Definitely. Anything else that you want to share about your journey or anything else before we start to wrap up? So this is going to sound incredibly cheesy. And I promise I don't talk in truisms all the time. But do you know what? In the success I found in life, both on a personal and professional level, my mum taught me when I was a teenager about the concept of feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And, and being nervous, but being brave and saying, do you know what? The calculated risk Let's go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? And I think if you are interested in kind of mulling over, querying whether what you're doing now is the right thing for you or you want to start a different path, whether that, you know, on a personal level, on a professional level, just work out what the worst thing's going to happen if you did it. 
If you can live with that, sod it, go for it. Because you'll never know what you're missing until you try. Fuel the fear and do it anyway. That is so good. You know, I, I've never, it's not the things I've done and that maybe went wrong that I regret. Often it's the things I never, you know, I never did. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, oh, do you know what? I really regret I didn't do this or I didn't get that or I didn't go here. I can, I can sense for a lot of people, you know, feeling a sense of, you know, oh, if only I did that, what would be, you know, would I be where I am right now? Exactly. Exactly. You just have to go with your gut sometimes. Absolutely. Well, Dan, we're going to go ahead and play a quick game. I play this at the end of every podcast I do. It is a would you rather game. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? This sounds, sounds slightly terrifying, but I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Would you rather deal with a client that is always intoxicated when they come in or an employee who is always late? Uh, and customer who's always intoxicated. Wow. Uh, mainly because I think we could get quite creative uh, and they wouldn't have a clue what you're doing. Um, and I'm a stickler for time management. Okay. Number two, would you rather have a demanding client, but they always tip very well or have a friendly and happy client, but they do not tip at all? Ooh. I would say friendly and happy client because the prices we charge, you know, tips are, are always welcome. That's really kind of people, but they're not expected. And I love friendly, happy, chilled out clients who appreciate what we're doing, appreciate the work and the style and the effort we put into their head. Makes for a better time. Okay, number three, you have a little extra money in your pocket. Would you rather buy a luxury car or take a long, luxurious vacation? Oh, long, luxurious vacation. I knew you were going to say that. that. I I love my business, but my God, I I love a good holiday as well. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, it's a busy day at your salon. Would you rather your heat go out on the coldest day of the year? Or the air conditioning go out on the hottest day of the year? I would say, now as we're currently in the middle of a heat wave, absolutely the heat going out on the coldest day of the year. Because walking around it, you know, a barber's chair, tools generating heat, we can definitely warm ourselves up. But trying to cool down, oh, it's a bit of a nightmare at the moment. It's the worst. Okay. Would you rather have the same haircut forever or the same phone forever? Same phone forever, quite happily. Okay. Would you rather misplace your favorite clippers for the day or misplace your calendar for all your clients of the day? My calendar for all my clients, because they'll tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I will will be here ready and waiting, and I'm sure somebody will appear, and they will tell me that they're due in. And, you know, even if they're having me on, I'll squeeze everybody in one way or the other. Oh, perfect answer. Okay, last one. Would you rather shave only half your beard or shave only one eyebrow? One eyebrow. I do (laughs) love my beard. It's such a mad thing. You've got to love your beard, you know. I'm I'm very lucky I can grow one. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's maybe just become a part of me over the last few years. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. I'm so glad that we got to have you on. And thank you for giving us all your insight and your knowledge of opening up a small business. My pleasure, Taylor. Lovely to be on the podcast and hope some of those uh, those tips and my ramblings come useful to people. Oh, they definitely will. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Our goal is to always give you the content you didn't know you needed to know and to make sure you're always on point. I'm Taylor Burke. Thank you for listening.